The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today we come to the end of the series that we've entitled A Man After God's Own Heart. This series has been about the early life of David leading up until the time where he takes the kingship. And yesterday and today we've come to one of the saddest episodes of Scripture, the death of King Saul. King Saul started out with such promise, but he ended up in the misery of sin. When he sought the advice of the witch of Endor instead of God, God permitted Samuel to come back in spirit form to tell him that he would die on this very day. Child of God, sin will destroy you in this life. But praise God, God is still faithful in his eternal grace such that none of his children will ever die and go to hell. Saul is in heaven today, but his life was a hell on earth as we see in the conclusion to the message today. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Yeah. 
First Chronicles, just for a minute, chapter 10. I want you to listen to what it said. Now remember, we just read that Saul inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him not. But in First Chronicles chapter 10, in verse 13, this is another account of this die, the death of Saul. He says, So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for counsel, asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. And listen to this, and inquired not of the Lord. Wait a minute, it says Saul inquired of the Lord. This year it says he inquired not. What's, what gives? Is that an inconsistency? No. What he's telling us is this. When you're, in, when you're regarding iniquity in your heart, it's as if you're not even asking God. Notice what he said. Remember what he said in Psalm 66, 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The <laughs> Lord doesn't even hear it. When you're, you've got the idol of iniquity in your heart, elevated above God, it's as if you're not even inquiring of Him. And, and as I said already, there's nothing worse than being out of fellowship with God and facing a crisis in your life. That's why it's so important to try to stay as close to God as you can. And now look as we continue here at Saul's fall. His fall here. Verse 7 of 1 Samuel 28. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. Now wait a minute. We just read, I told you to remember it. In verse 3, Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits. He had, he had put away the wizards and the familiar, those that had familiar spirits out of the land. He had already decreed death for them. Exodus 22 and 18 says, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Now let me just also take a, just a moment to step aside from the message and say to you, young folks, but older folks, all of us, do not go to these people today. Do not deal with them today. You know, out here on Highway 82, there's going toward Columbus, and then there's one, I think, going into Tuscaloosa. There's a Mrs. Lamar who says she can read your palm and she can conjure up, you know, do seances, conjure up the dead. You know what God said about that? He said, in the time of the Old Testament, you're not to allow a witch to live. You're not to have them among you. You're not to be a part of that because what you're doing here when you do that is you're saying it's not enough to walk by faith. I don't have enough in the Word of God. I need to go talk to some spirits out there. And let me just say to you, you know, you say, well, that's just a bunch of hocus-pocus stuff. Well, we're going to see here that in that day, she was actually able to conjure somebody up. Now, I believe, we'll talk about that in a minute. I believe it was by a special dispensation of God that he allowed Samuel to come up. But I believe these, these women, these men who are witches and necromancers and uh, people that do all these palm readings and all that, I believe there's some of them that probably have contact with the demonic forces of this world. You know, there, there actually are demons. Did you know that? There are actually demons in this world. There's actually dark angels. Uh, I don't know what all they are. Fallen angels, some kind of demons that are the minions of Satan that have the ability to communicate with people. We saw it in the Old Testament days. Now we've talked about how Satan, I believe, has been bound. We don't see as much of that, but as, as he's loosed for a little season, we may see more and more. Don't go to these folks. 
you'll get in trouble. And God is not pleased when his children seek unto those that have familiar spirits as opposed to inquiring of him. So he, did, he does this. He goes to this woman that has a familiar spirit. And I want you to notice what a deliberate sinner and a hypocrite Saul is. He had put these uh, people away. He had had them slain. He had gotten rid of them out of the land. And yet he goes to one now and he conjures up. She has her conjure up Samuel. I want you to look with me just for a minute over in Ezekiel chapter 14. I like this little passage here. Verse 7. Of course, Ezekiel is prophesying to a rebellious people. Verse 6. Let's just begin there and you'll see the context. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent and turn yourselves from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. That's God's way. God's way is for you and I to turn away from our idols and the abominations of sin in our life and turn to Him. Because here's the other option, verse 7. For every one of the house of Israel, or of the stranger which sojourneth in Israel, which separateth himself from me, and setteth up idols in his, his idols in his heart, and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face. Hello? Is that Saul? Does that not fit his situation perfectly? Now listen to it. And cometh to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me. I, the Lord, will answer him by myself, and I will set my face against that man, and will make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. <laughs> Sound like a pretty angry response from God, doesn't it? Well, let's keep reading here just a little bit in chapter 28 of 1 Samuel, and let's see what kind of response God gives. Then said Saul, verse 7, unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there's a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went, and two men with him, and they came to the woman. And I'm going to, for lack of time, just sort of summarize this. He goes to her and says, I want you to bring me up someone, you know, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring up someone that I ask you. She says, listen, you know, Saul said we can't do this <laughs> on pain of death. And Saul even swears by the Lord and says, as the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Verse 11, then said the woman, whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, bring me up Samuel <laughs> and then the gig was up so to speak uh, she figured out what was going on and, and notice what happened <laughs> notice what happened apparently God you know there's a lot of a lot of people that argue theologians argue over what happened you know, it wasn't really Samuel and God won't let that but you know my God's all powerful he can do anything he wants to so I believe what he did here, and believe based on the context here, that I believe he, allowed, he suffered Samuel to be brought back up. <laughs> Verse 12, when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice and spoke to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me, thou art Saul? She knew then what was up. <laughs> and he went on to say, Don't, don't be afraid, I'm not going to do anything. And she says, he asked her what she saw, and he, she described this old man coming up, covered with a, man, uh, a mantle, and Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he bowed down. And in verse 15, I want you to listen to the angry response that God gave Saul through Samuel. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? Now, let me stop here and just say this. One of the reasons I believe this is Samuel. <laughs> is he saying, can, can, you remember we talked about uh, Lazarus before? We talked about how Lazarus, you know, apparently when he died, according to the word of God, you go into the presence of God himself. 
He was basking in the glory of God and His Spirit, and all of a sudden he hears Lazarus come forth, <laughs> and he's got to come back. <laughs> you know, poor, I've heard Mark Lowry, the Christian comedian, talk about poor old Lazarus. He had to die again. You know, <laughs> he came back, and he uh, and he was he was perfectly happy where he was. Notice what Samuel says. He says, "Why are you disturbing me?" <laughs> I'm happy. I'm fine where I am. I don't want to come back down here. You know, often we think about that with loved ones. And let me just say to you that I, I get it. I miss my loved ones. But you don't really want them back. You don't really want to disquiet them. Because they're in perfect peace and bliss. What we really want is to go to be with them, you see. Samuel said, why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me. God has departed from me and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. And then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord has departed from thee and has become thine enemy? This is a child of God speaking here. And we're going to see in a minute why I believe that particularly. What a sad state. For a child of God to get in. What a sad state for any of us to get in. And we could, child of God. What a warning this is. To become the enemy of God. I've got enemies out there, but I want to say, I don't ever want to be the enemy of God. Because he's the one that never loses a battle. Verse 17, And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me. For the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand, and given it to thy neighbor, even to David, because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. I know where Samuel is. That tells me Saul's going there too. Saul and his sons, Jonathan, one of the greatest, most faithful children of God we've ever seen. He'll be together with his sons. He says, tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. Saul was a child of God. The Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. You remember what we read in Ezekiel? About the angry response. Uh, God said, I will set my face against that man that has set up idols in his heart. And, and comes to inquire of me. I'll make him a sign and a proverb. I'll cut him off from the midst of my people. <laughs> hadn't, he become, hadn't Saul become a sign and a proverb to us today? See, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be at that part. The message was anger from God. And the result in verse 20 is Saul fell straightway all along on the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel and there was no strength in him for he had eaten bre no bread all the day and all the night. And the rest of this chapter just tells us about how the woman implored him to eat and finally got him to eat. And finally Saul gets up and goes back to the battle with one of the most hopeless messages from God in this life that anyone's ever received. What a night of distress. And that leads us to a day in chapter 31 of defeat. A day of defeat. Chapter 31 is the final curtain call for Saul. Now the Philistines fought against Israel and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. Notice what happened on this day of defeat. Saul 
who had been in rebellion against God, who had become the enemy of God, who, who as a child of God had no access to God in this life, he first lost his army. Some men deserted, some died on the battlefield, but the whole army was defeated. He had no prayers from any prophet like Samuel. He had no blessings from God. And the army of Israel under his leadership was destined for defeat. And Joshua chapter 23 and verse 8, we read what happens when God is with you. In verse 8, he says, But cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done unto this day. And this is Joshua speaking to the elders of Israel here. He says, For the Lord hath driven out from before you a great nation, and strong, great nations and strong. But as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, it is he that fighteth for you, as he hath promised you. That's what happens when God's with you. What happens when God is against you is that the men of Israel fall down slain in Mount Gilboa. Saul lost his army, and then Saul, Saul lost his life. Look at verse 2. The Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons, and the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Melchishua, Saul's sons. What a horrible situation for a father to be in. To watch as his children are slain because of his sin, because of his rebellion. And we read that the battle went sore and the archers hit, hit Saul and he was sore wounded to the archers. Verse 4, Saul said unto his armor bearer, draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. He fell upon the sword himself, fearing that he would be tortured to death and that he would be humiliated. He chose to end his own life. You know, I just thought about this as I was studying. Over in 1 John chapter 5, there's a funny statement made there in verse 16. John says, If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. Listen to this. There is a sin unto death. I did not say that he shall pray for it. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? There's a sin unto death. You know, I believe Saul committed that sin unto death. Now, what is that sin unto death? So you mean, you mean to tell me, preacher, that, that if God tells me to go slay the Amalekites and I don't do it, that that'll, that's, that's the sin unto death. That was for Saul. <laughs> and actually, the sin unto death for Saul was going out and seeking a, a, a familiar spirit. So if I do that, God's going to kill me. Well, not necessarily, because I believe the sin unto death is not the particular facts of what he did, but it's the condition of the heart yeah. as he did it. Right. See, that sin unto death is that rebellion against God, that refusal, right. willful refusal to repent and acknowledge your sin before God. Right. And you could go so far that finally Saul got there where God said, okay, that's it. I'm taking you home. You're no more earthly good to me. I'm going to take you home. Saul lost his life for failure to confess and repent. There's no help for this sin. You know, I've had the unfortunate situation more than once of having to tell someone who I believe is a child of God that I can't help you anymore because the only help for you in the Word of God and in the kingdom of God is in repentance. But apart from repentance, there's no help for you. Child of God, I want you to understand something. Apart from repentance and confession, 
There's no help for you in this book. There's no help for you here. You cannot, you cannot be a rebellious, obstinate child of God and be a profitable member of the kingdom of God. You'll be in heaven one day. I believe these people I've dealt with and talked to, they'll be in heaven one day. But they cannot experience the heaven on earth that God has given us through His kingdom. You and I ought never get in that position. Saul sinned a sin unto death, and he lost his life. And he lost his honor. <laughs> Look at verse 6. It says, Saul died, his three sons and his armor bearer, and all his men that same day together. And look, when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley, and they that were on the other side of Jordan saw that the men of Israel fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled, and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. And it came to pass on the morrow when the Philistines came to strip the slain, that they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa, and they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among the people. And they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. What a dishonorable end to an honorable child of God. What a dishonorable end for a man who started out in the kingdom of God with so much promise. They took great joy in mutilating his body and even put his armor in the house of their own idols. And I think that one of the sadder parts of this story is verse 7. And you remember this, child of God. When a great man or woman in the kingdom of God falls, it causes others to fear and flee. You know, we know how that works. We've seen it. We've seen great, prominent preachers. And I'm not necessarily talking about in, our, uh, in the primitive Baptists, but just think about some of the great uh, so-called Christian preachers, TV preachers, and people that are prominent in this world. When they fall, what does that do to others out here? That they, they may not have even been accurate on the truth of God's grace. But they fall and say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with church. I'm leaving. You know, though, it can happen in the kingdom of God. It's happened in churches, primitive Baptist churches. It has happened. If you, I'm aware of at least one or two situations where a prominent member of a primitive Baptist church committed a great heinous sin and failed, and it caused so many people to lose faith and a whole family even to leave the kingdom of God. So sad. So sad. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap this up because our time is short. What are the lessons that we can learn here? Well, first of all, we learn a lesson about the power of sin. We've already mentioned it. Child, children of God can sin just as badly as Saul or Lot have done. And sin always multiplies. As I've said before, it's like a fire. When firefighters are fighting a fire, they're either getting the best of it or it's getting the best of them. It's never static. You don't reach detente. You don't reach stalemate in the war against sin. Sin always multiplies and you will drag others down with you. Notice that Saul's army was lost, his sons were killed, and others were disaffected and left the place where they thought they were safe. But then I want you to notice something else, that even in the midst of a terrible day like this, there is, a, there is an opportunity, there is a potential for devotion 
there's a potential for you to remain devoted, even when a great man like Saul falls. Look, notice verse 11, 12, and 13 of chapter 31. When the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan and came to Jabesh and burned them there. And they took their bones and buried them under a tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. If you remember, if you're familiar with your, your scriptures, you'll know that in the 11th chapter of this same um, book of 1 Samuel, the first victory that Saul won had been the deliverance of Jabesh Gilead from the Ammonites. And these people here had not forgotten that. And they traveled according to the uh, geography there, if it's correct, they traveled some 15 or 20 miles at night, crossing the Jordan River, crossing through enemy territory to show Saul some respect and to, and to try to take down some of the dishonor that had been done to the kingdom of God. They traveled over there and buried his sons under a tree and they performed this daring act to give encouragement to the rest of those around. And you know, the point is this, that even in times when a great man falls, we can remain devoted. Just remember that, that God is not a man. God is not wrapped up in a man. I pray that the Lord, I, 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 I struggle and try every day to remain devoted to God. It's, you know, and I fail so much, but I, but I try to remain devoted to God because I don't want to be the cause of someone else stumbling. I don't want to be the cause of a weaker brother stumbling. But if I fall, beloved, if I fall, remember that God is faithful. And I'm not saying that as I'm thinking about it, okay? I'm not thinking about falling. I'm, I'm trying not to. I don't want to do anything that would bring disrepute to the kingdom of God. But even when it happens, even when Moses strikes the rock twice, when he should have spoken to it, the Lord is merciful to his people and he send, sends water anyway. You see, we can remain devoted in times of trial like this. And remember the purposes of God as well. You remember how we talked about how, how God had intervened in David's situation? He didn't do that here for Saul. Why? There's not a clear answer, but, but I believe the implication is that the heart of Saul and the heart of David were different. Saul had a heart only for himself. David had a heart for God. David continually repented and fell on his knees and acknowledged his sin. Saul's heart was hardened and immovable and David's heart was soft and easily broken. Oh, child of God, what a sad day it is for the nation of Israel. What a sad time it is in the kingdom of God. There have been those times in the New Testament days too. There have been those times when there have been sad days. But as we continue seeing reading about David, we're going to learn that God is still in the business of blessing his people. And the last thing I want to leave you with is this. Saul was a sorry excuse for a king. In many ways, he was a sorry excuse for a child of God. But God is a great God. And I remember what, um, I, remember what I read of John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, what he said in the latter waning years of his life as his memory began to fail him, he said, two things I do remember. I'm a great sinner. Christ is a great Savior. Saul will be in heaven in spite of his works. Samuel mourned for Saul. And as, as he told Saul, as we're told in the 15th chapter there, 1 Samuel, he came no more to see him till the day of his death. On the day of his death, he saw him again here.
one day we'll be together with no matter where we find ourselves no matter how bad we 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 have disappointed god and how bad we have sinned against him god's grace is sufficient to cover it but oh how we want to be warriors in his kingdom let's be a david a man after god's own heart and not saul a man with a cold heart against god thank you for joining us today on the zion primitive baptist church podcast I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.